Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another installment of our sporadic show, The Frog God Game Master. We are here uh, with another interview about a another already successful Kickstarter. This one, this time, we'll be speaking to a Douglas Zielsdorf, which I, I did have to double-check that name because it's a fantastic name. Uh, I may steal it and end up using it for a character. Please don't be offended. Uh, Doug, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, hi. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, my name is Douglas Zielsdorf. Um, I am the organized play administrator for Frog God Games. Uh, on top of that, I've just been a big fan of Frog God Games for a long time. I've uh, been doing role-playing games since 1982. Uh, an avid fan, enormous collection, and um, gotten behind the products of Frog God Games. And now I'm behind the Kickstarter for the newest one, um, Splinters of Faith. Uh, so what is an the organized play organizer do? Well, I have to coordinate a number of things. This is a little bit of backstory, but uh, in 2020, when the uh, when COVID hit, um, all of the in-person you know opportunities to play sort of dried up. Uh, two can two conventions that I was going to go to both got canceled. Uh, local groups were no longer able to meet at places where we'd normally game. People would uh, not want people in their houses, so. I was looking for an opportunity of what to do, and I was talking with a friend of mine, Keith Hershey Jr., and we were saying, well, why can't we do something online? There's uh, organized play online. Other people are doing it. Well, why can't Frog God Games do it? So we came up with the idea of putting together organized play, ran it by Frog God Games. They, of course, said, of course. And so uh, what we did is we started running games online, virtually or just remotely, like via Zoom. Uh, where we'd get people together who were fans of Frog Guide Games products and rolling uh, role-playing games in general and get the community together with opportunities to play. And what I do is I sort of supervise our our host of uh, volunteer game masters and uh, keep the schedule together, moderate the Discord server in that respect, and just kind of try and keep things neat and tidy as best as I can. Gotcha. And I run games on top of that. Oh, nice. So, from my, my perspective, uh, you know, I play a lot of Pathfinder stuff, so you would be the equivalent of a venture captain uh, for us, you know, <laughs> the people who oversee a certain area of, or in this case, a virtual area of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the people who run, you're in charge of the people who are in charge of the games. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a chain of command thing, and I'm the intermediary between, you know, the people who participate in organized play and Frog God games themselves. Nice. I mean, it's a, it's a good system. I know one of the guys in our podcast, Pete, he uh, was, at least for a while, heavily involved in the organized play on Paizo's website. Excuse me. I know a few uh, other podcasts. Um, can't remember, think of the names off the top of my head, but they have, like, discords where they do the same similar thing where they, you know, have, like, organized play and stuff. So it's, it's a popular system. And I, myself, even um, one of my game groups, we use um, Roll20 to play and facebook messenger to like video chat mm -hmm. yeah we use a bunch of different features it, it's it, it centers around our the frog god games discord but the uh, actual methodology of playing is entirely up to the game masters themselves we're on roll 20 we're on fantasy grounds foundry uh owlbear rodeo is a new one that's been oh. up and coming um in organized play and i honestly i haven't even played on it yet um owlbear so, rodeo yep that's what it is. 
That's that's gonna be interesting. I mean, I've even gone so far as using Google Drawings and sharing a link to people, so they like, and then you have got like a JPEG of the map up there, and little mm-hmm. little JPEGs of their pictures, their tokens and stuff, and just running it that way. There's a lot of different options out there, and we're finding more and more and more of them. And also to that uh, extent, Frogged Games is also attempting to uh, get a good footing in the uh, the VTT market as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's becoming, I know, more and more popular, even for people who meet in person, you know, just being, you know, they'll do a virtual tabletop just for the maps and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I say, and I've always said this before, there's no substitute for sitting at the table with a bunch of friends playing a game live. However, there are tons of people that I would never have had the opportunity to play with, let you know, let alone meet, if not for the virtual arena as far as uh, role-playing games are concerned. So, yeah. I mean, it's still a, a great, very viable thing. Not for everybody, but I think everybody should try it at least yeah. once because uh, it has it has its own uh, its own um, benefits. Yeah, I, I feel the same way about going to conventions. Most of those, no offense to them, most of those people aren't people I'd want to play with all the time, but, you know. No. Uh, well, like uh, last year, uh, I was I was GMing and listeners, if you're long term, you may have heard this story before. I had a guy I had no idea who he was, which is kind of unusual for us to not recognize a name at the local convention scene. He was signed up for all of my games. I was running every slot. He was blind, and I so I got a GM for a blind person, and I was like, this is this is going to be cool. This is a way to uh-huh. stretch out my wings on this, and you know, really try some new stuff. Yeah, that's where I started actually. Um in conventions working with frog god games i had uh, discovered i'd been a, a big fan since they were necromancer games back in the early 2000s and then started when i got online because i really was like absent from online until about 2010 or so and uh then i started you know talking to people online running to people online so i showed up at conventions and just started running frog god games products at conventions and that's mm-hmm. where i really got their attention uh, initially, so tons, you know, the conventions are also an uh, outstanding way to meet new people, play new games. Yeah. Um, I can't wait, wait to get back to one. And a little bit back to the the VTT stuff. Well, okay, in a moment I'll get back to that. Hey, okay. I don't know where about you're located, but um, here in Central Illinois, we got uh, Farmageddon coming up uh, at the end of next month. I don't know if that's within driving distance to you. Um, I'm but- in Colorado. So not so much. Not um, so much. I, yeah. I I do know how long it would take about to get there, about nineteen hours, because I know what to yeah. drive home. I lived in uh in southeastern Wisconsin for most yeah. of my life until two thousand nineteen. So we had a Gary Con and uh, well originally we had Gen Con way back in the day, and yeah. uh, and also um, Game Hole in Madison, Wisconsin. Yep, two of our guys, um, Mark and Will, in our podcast, they go they go to both of those every year. That mm-hmm. that those are, they those exist are, anyway. Great, uh, smaller but really up and coming old school conventions. Yeah. yeah, Mark actually loves getting in um, at the OSR tables. Uh, mm-hmm. He he's always complaining when they fill up too fast, and they always do. Yeah, uh, but uh, back to the virtual tabletop things. Um, I know we at least have talked about um, when these adventures come out. If they come out with VTT adaptions for the maps, like getting. Uh, just a screen to replace our whiteboard just for the maps you mm-hmm. know so it's like we're still using a virtual tabletop but we're all still sitting around the table together 
uh, the visual aid is exceptionally helpful in, in a lot of ways that doesn't involve playing around with miniatures unless you like playing around with miniatures or like drawing on paper or uh, dry erase boards or uh, yeah. the, uh, the the rollout vinyl mats, mat, whatever that you can write with uh, erasable uh, markers on. Yeah. Um, it, it is a very useful tool, the virtual stuff. Yeah, I, I personally, when you have these professionally made maps, I find them really beneficial for player in imagination you know they're a lot more likely to be like well it looks like on this map the artist you know drew in some crates so maybe i'll pick up a crate and throw it at somebody whereas on my map hand drawn it's just like hey i've got some squares and circles that represent crates yeah. and barrels and it's a little more abstract they tend not to use their environment as much there's a whole lot of geometry over there i don't know what it is could you tell me yeah so, you have done the organized play organizer. You are uh, one of the authors or the author of this Sketches of Faith? I am not one of the authors. Uh, the authors uh, are very busy right now, and they're also in part coordinating the Kickstarter. So, I am just sort of was brought in um, as support staff to help promote the uh, the Kickstarter. So, I'm just an avid fan and, uh, you know, um, tangentially connected to Frog God Games uh, otherwise. So I'm just here representing being a cheerleader. Gotcha. Well, what can you tell us about Splinters of Faith? Well, really, really quickly, my, my quick pitch on Splinters of Faith is is an epic 11-part campaign adventure um, featuring more than 20 temples um, specific to the Lost Lands campaign setting for Frog God Games, but uh, exportable into any campaign setting. Um, a classic high fantasy adventure wherein we're using all uh, classic tropes. You're assembling an ancient relic of good, uh, assembling and re-empowering a relic to fight a resurrected overlord of evil, and it all starts with a chicken. That's the quick pitch. Reading the tagline on this, it reminds me of the, the JRPG joke, where you start by finding a, a missing cat, and you end by killing God. Uh, it, it is something. Um, the first adventure in the in the series is it start it started with a chicken, and it is a quintessential low level adventure where literally your characters are brought on by the residents of this little village to find out what's happening to their chickens. It's it, you're hunting in theory a fox to find yeah. out what happened to the chickens, and it escalates very very quickly even in the first adventure and becomes into this multi part. Uh, quest to defeat this uh, resurrected, uh, you know, evil warlord who's, uh, you know, supported by a demon lord. And it just, uh, it's something that builds epically over time. Um, let's see, what else can I can I say about it? It's very focused on, on featuring temples, both good and evil temples, at least one temple in every adventure. Um, and all of this stuff, as far as setting and uh, the temples themselves, the religion, the faith can be used as sponsors, pulled out in and of themselves. And the adventure is very compartmental, where any given adventure can be run on its own without requiring the other ones. Though there is the through line going through them, threading them together into one massive adventure that takes characters from 1 to roughly 15th level, depending upon your playstyle. And it looks like uh, it's written for 5th D&D 5th edition as well, with that sub rule set. 
Uh, yes, it is uh, for Swords and Wizardry and for 5th edition, the two uh, systems currently actively supported by Frog God Games. Um, the original was actually written in Pathfinder 1st edition and Swords and Wizardry. And while there's no official... Pl I, I'm sorry for the frowny face. Um, there's <laughs> there's no plans... Uh, Frog God Games does not have um, a license to publish Pathfinder 2nd edition products but we do have an avid fan of pathfinder in frog god games uh michael mars russell who on his own as part of a patreon is, is publishing pathfinder first edition conversions mm. of many of the frog god games products well the superior edition between the two anyway so Oh well, I wasn't. I wasn't going to say anything, but I did. I haven't played Pathfinder two, but I did play Pathfinder one, and I really, I did, and I did enjoy it at, at the time when I played it. Mm -hmm. I still have all the books. Uh, as do I, and I, I play a lot more second edition than I used to. Um, but I just, I will never enjoy it as much. But that's a whole separate conversation. Um, I do love the fact that this starts with chickens, and it's eleven adventures, and there are temples. I'm guessing at some point you have to gather reagents. Um, this is really coming across as like a KFC adventure. Uh, 11 herbs and spices, missing chickens. <laughs> is Colonel Sanders the secret end boss of this? Well, there, there's certainly speculation as far as the end boss is concerned. Mm. Uh, but there, I've had someone speculate already. It would be really, really cool if the chicken ended up being the bad, you know, the big bad oh, yeah. in the end. So that would be awesome. I'm not giving away those kind of spoilers, mm. but uh, yeah, the K the KFC that would that's, that that would be it's an interesting you know take uh, interesting take on it. Well, I didn't know you know those uh, Wendy's came out with their TTRPG. They, they uh, did. System, I did. I so this may have been like the direct punchback. Yeah, I have a copy. I, I have a copy of that too. And actually, yeah. speaking of eleven adventures, there's actually we're approaching. Um, a stretch goal. Uh, it, the campaign is fully funded, and we're starting to knock down stretch goals. But the next one at fifty thousand dollars is a bonus twelfth adventure that sort of ends mm -hmm. as a, a a capstone or a denouement, so to speak, for it. Um, an adventure that I absolutely positively have to have: the Acid Swamp of the Demon Prince. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's about. I haven't seen it. I still have to have it. So, uh, something I'm personally looking forward. So, there's actually a bonus 12th adventure um, in, in the works as well. Gotcha. Well, listeners, that being said, uh, on a goal of 16000 the Kickstarters raised just under 43000 which puts them right at 7000 to go. At the time of recording, that's 17 days left in this. So, saying it's funded is a bit of an understatement, because that's almost three times its funding goal. And um, by the time this comes out, you'll still have two weeks. So, link will be in the description, folks. Frog God Games always, always funds. I've this is I, I've done about half a dozen of these, and by the time I do them, they're almost always fully funded. If not, uh, way past it. This one funded in. Uh, this one did fund in the first day. Yeah. So uh, it had its initial surge, and now it's sort of leveled out a little bit, and we're hoping to uh, to spike it up a little bit and knock down as many stretch goals as possible because all the bells and whistles and the 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 fun little goodies and extras and whatnot that come with it um, are up ahead. And as I said, me personally, I'm looking forward to the bonus twelfth adventure. And it looks like it's only twenty five bucks to get the entire adventure, uh, and then the stretch goals should they unlock. And, and you know, obviously, it goes up from there. What's your, what's your top tier here? 
$445. Yeah, there are some some big ticket tiers for the people that want to have Ooh. absolutely everything they want in print. They want the leather uh the leather, leather bound, bound special yeah. edition of it. They want it in both uh both uh, uh, both systems. They want all the extra players' journals. They want all the handouts and in, in, in you know it printed out. Um, a lot of there's a lot of digital stretch goals. I mean, a lot of digital uh, extras and digital stretch goals that depending upon um, how much funding there is and what pledge you do, uh, many of those will also then be available in print. Yeah, um, I mean, so this, having, this highest tier one too. Like, not only do you get in both systems, you get the the VTT uh, assets. Every like you said, everything's leather bound. Uh, hardcover landscape map book. I don't even know what that is, but it sounds awesome. It, it's uh, I, I've seen the map products before, and most of them have not been bound, like book bound kind of stuff. That I'm really looking forward to see because that's going to be sweet. There's been some physical map releases for some of the bigger Kickstarters, like uh, Rappanathic Five uh, E for a ways back. Just an awesome, you know, laminate printed, you know, um, maps uh, for it. But this is going to be a landscape book, something you pull out and show your players at the table if you want to, or just put on your, you know, as a, re- you know, um, on your coffee table, a coffee table book of, you know, of maps for this. Oh, and speaking of maps, uh, there are over 70 maps in this adventure, nice. um, and the VTT pack that uh, is inc- it is included in, in most of the uh, most of the uh, most of the pledges um, has player maps, has labeled GM maps, it has a GM overlay to be used or not used, uh, PC uh, player character tokens, um, all the monster tokens will come. So even though it's not being released on a virtual platform, all of the tools. To make it playable on a platform will be available in the uh, the VTT asset pack, so that you know is to cover kind of both sides of the spectrum. At some point in time, this very well may end up being officially published. Uh, Frog Eye Games, its its initial go to is Fantasy Grounds, but it could show up anywhere. Uh, no immediate plans for that that I'm aware of, but it's very VTT able right out of the gate after it's published. Nice. So will you uh, will you be taking this? Um, through oh, it looks like you guys are going to drive through RPG too. Um, are you guys going to be taking this to local conventions once it's done? Well, I certainly hope so. And uh, on my end, as part of organized play, I really want to see after it's published again to see the whole campaign featured in organized play to have, give people the opportunity to play through the entire thing online. Because I'm thinking too, like if it's eleven adventures, split those up. I mean that's uh, that's almost like perfect for convention play, you know, being uh, just having these more episodic things. Yeah, one at a time, or you could run it like all you know, a whole weekend if you're really, really kind of insane as a game master and wanted to spend all of your time jamming. <laughs> I, I GM a lot, and even I don't probably have that kind of endurance, but you know, it's a great idea. Yeah, you know, or you know, just splitting it up. But I mean, the nice thing is. You know, run it across multiple conventions and things mm-hmm. like that, and people being able to just sit down and play the parts that they want. Uh, yeah, you can piecemeal it because actually, when it was originally released in Pathfinder and uh, Swords and Wizardry, I was 2013, 2014. I forget exactly which year it was, but I actually ran. I haven't run the entire thing, but I actually ran just a couple parts of it because I was at that point needed that kind of level range of adventure, and I just popped. I think it was part seven and part eight. Yeah, Air of Sin and Pains of Scalded Glass. I I, I put both of those, um, uh, just dropped them in as as is. Kind of sort of cut out the uh, the artifact or 
downplayed it considerably and you, you can use it any way you want yeah yeah that is one thing i've noticed uh is that a lot of these products while they are designed for your like the the osr setting they really are i don't want to say generic enough because that sounds like they're bland because they're definitely mm. not bland but they are compatible enough that it's easy enough to be like all right well uh you know it's not this sun god it's this sun god you know it's like it's an easy right. enough change to just be able to put it in even if you're running a homebrew world in a completely different system just to be able to use the ideas of the adventure yes and actually one is just for example the god arden in the uh a-r-d-e-n arden in the uh, lost land setting is a sun god and a temple of Arden is featured in one of these adventures. You can just transplant your name. You've got a temple of your sun god rather than the you know the frog god game sun god. You still can use the adventure or just use the temple if you want to yeah. for pa patronage, for assistance, uh, for other adventure books. Yeah. And if it seems a little weird, then, you know, you could just pull the, well, it's an ancient temple. You know, the religion adapts over thousands of years. And oh, yeah, The Lost Lands, uh, the way it was assembled, there are hundreds of deities in their hundreds and so there's lots of old you know barely remembered deities that just happened to be featured in an adventure sometime in the last you know 30 years or whatever yeah. and so it ended up in the lost lands there's just tons of deities it can be any you know obscure deity um that just you happen to come across a temple of yeah so lost lands is it like a um the the old secret wars comics where you know the beyonder takes like bits and pieces of different planets and puts it together or is, well is that's it... kind of that not exactly but that's sort of the way it came together the lost lands was really um bill webb the ceo of frog god games it was originally his setting um in his home campaign and so we had all these notes and stuff like that over decades of of play and whatnot and then when necromancer games then to be frog god games later on started publishing stuff everything that was published sort of was assumed to be in this setting though it wasn't codified at the time um so it all sort of came together over time when they finally put the lost lands campaign setting just a massive massive bullet stopping hardcover um book in uh, 2019 it sort of got hobbled together from all of the projects that have been published all of bill webb's notes and just kind of you know came together into one sort of uh massive really actually quite cohesive uh whole but it's interesting said pulling the parts together because it's really um like splinters of faith it was its own area that wasn't set anywhere specifically in the lost lands but it became its own area when the lost lands got published say okay we've got to pull this area in as it was make it fit with the rest of the world and there it is it's on the yeah. maps it's in the hardcover book even though um you know it was published nine years before um the campaign setting came out it still became part of it and it's it's its own area and so now it's going to be even more official now that it's going to be re-released nice i mean it sounds like a good way to do a system too where it's just this is totally my opinion but to me, the most successful systems, uh, settings, I should say, have an error of anything could be there. Mm -hmm. You know, like, um, you know, Dead Sons, I know, was really popular back in the day for various Dungeons & Dragons campaigns. But it was so specific till you know it's like it's deserted and desert and like every all the gods are dead and everything like yeah. you can only you can't run a lot of different types of adventures there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Dark Sun, Dark Sun was very, 
anachronistic isn't the word. It was very, it's very, it was very particular. Yeah. You're playing there. That setting had its own very specific rules. It's very specific, almost limiting conditions to it. Uh, the Lost Lands ha- covers just about everything. Um, it has several major continents in the in the setting. One that's more of your European medievalish sort of you know um, continent. Then we have another one, uh, Libanos, uh, which is actually where this uh, the Splinters of Faith takes place. That it's an older continent that has a lot more variety, cultural variety to it. Um, not exactly far eastern, but more like of a, a near eastern kind of feel with lots of ancient empires. Uh, a massive Kickstarter that finished just a while back, uh, Necropolis, written by Gary Gygax himself mm-hmm. and republished mm-hmm. uh, last year, takes place in the uh, region of Kemet, which is basically uh, Egyptian in in feel, and it takes place on the same continent, just in a different uh, different section of it. So it allows for a lot. The setting allows for a lot of variety, where you can set just about anything. Yeah, um, I believe that was our Frog God Game Master 4, because uh, I remember doing an interview on that one, too. Well, I was going to say, because they, they talked about how they used, like, the Egyptian pantheon, but again, it was, like, it's just easy enough to say, like, okay, take out this god of death and put in that god of death, you know, and, like, mm-hmm. just kind of move things around a bit, and still just how it was modular enough that you could just like say okay hey i need an acropolis in eberron or in galarian or ravenloft mm-hmm. or 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 use it in there mm-hmm. and yeah actually as far as you know uh, egyptian deities are concerned you can't copyright egyptian deities so in large part a lot of egyptian deities are de facto just imported into that adventure and also to that extent because they're featured in the product they're also in the lost lands so, i mean osiris is a deity in the lost lands because well it just comes out of the pantheon that's relevant to the product from which it was drawn so uh what other things uh should we know about splinters of faith we we know it's it's funded uh we know it's good and modular we know what systems it's for uh we know there's a awesome chicken that is totally not the secret end boss wink wink of course what else <laughs> should we know Okay, well, we've already talked about the VTT options because I said that's the modern the modern way of playing games. So we already talked about that, but uh, the Kickstarter also, as part of its stretch goals, um, has a lot of fun little extras that are included um, to sort of be more immersive um, and, and also be more helpful to game masters. We've got stuff like player journals and GM journals where you can have a printed out um like your character can journal about their about their quest. They can take notes about you know people they met and places they've been. Oh, I have to remember that clue, stuff they can write down. And the more it gets funded, the more complicated these journals get. They include more stuff. They'll include like character sheets um, and other bits of information. And uh, other little things just to make you feel more of a part of it. We have postcards that uh, of various uh, nice. p- portions of the setting and whatnot. And they're, they're featured just like postcards. Um, and then on the back of them, there's actually a story that you can follow going through the uh, the postcards themselves. That's sort of clue-like with regards to the flow of the adventure. Um, we've got uh, monster trackers for our GM, where as part of one of the stretch goals, you know, it have a list of all of the monsters featured in the adventure, so you can track uh, what you've used, what you haven't used, what's coming, um, and. Uh, you know, marking stuff off. It's just another way for GMs to keep organized with regards to progressing through the campaign. Um, what else do we got? 
there's other products. Uh, another supplement called Cry Havoc, which features the dogs of Orcus um, as one of our stretch goals. It's featuring a, 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 a secretive little organization that is woven through all portions of society that uh, features uh, enemies, some more overt, some more hidden, that can work against your characters as they're trying to complete this epic quest to reassemble the, uh, uh, the Scepter of Faith. Um, during the course of things. Um, what else? We have pre-generated characters, art packs. You talked about the uh, the map book that is there. Uh, one thing that Frogger Games has really tried to do is to make adventures not only that are, 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 are big and fun and exciting, but then also to be, have portions of them that make it more engaging for players and more um, accessible for GMs in order to run them because Frog God Games is known for its big products and it can be really daunting the first time you try and run one. Um, yeah, we we played a bit of when we call it Rapanathok because we did not know anybody to you know correct us, but I don't remember how it's actually pronounced. Um, uh, it, it is pronounced Rapanathic. Rapanathic, sorry, Rapanathic. Well, we so we have the first edition Pathfinder first edition setting of that i have and, that too yeah it, it is a big thing like it yeah, is massive and there's like not just the dungeon but there's you know an entire adventure's worth of when you're not in the dungeon oh the wilderness areas i've had i've had games where all i've done is had people wander around in the wilderness in rapid ethic because just wandering around out there is fun and exciting and quite deadly can't, can't recommend Rapanathic enough. You're not going to just sit and play right through it. I've never known anyone able to do that. We've got an organized play. We've got someone running Rapanathic right now and has been for almost a year. And they're yeah. nowhere near finishing it. Yeah, I'm not surprised. We played it, I think, for six months. And um, uh, on a near total TPK, we were just like, okay, let's try something else for a bit. And trying to run it straight through is probably too daunting. I found it more useful to do surgical insertions into portions of Rapanathic to feature uh, interesting or, based on the story, uh, more relevant portions of the dungeon rather than just trying to slog through level after level after level. It's like playing Gauntlet um, after a while. Like, you know, sometimes you just got to stop. Yeah. But it is a fun game, and there's lots of, mm -hmm. like, lots of fun. Um unique challenges in the enemies and stuff like that like i remember the black skeletons uh with their five foot mm -hmm. anti-magic aura and it's just like that's that's also that you're going to see pretty much anywhere else yeah Dun dungy the uh whatever you want to call dungy the the, <clears throat> the poo the yes. poo monster Our, the excremental yes uh, we, we remember. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it maybe that's the official way of putting it maybe i forgot that but uh yes no. But some that, le that, legendary, that, legendary, uh, noteworthy encounters don't go down the well. Um, going, going down there is always fun. Sending people down there. Yeah, yeah. I, I will never forget Dungey, that little, little bastard. Yes. Little pile anyway, of evil book. Yes. Uh, anyway, so Splinters of Faith is what we're here to talk about. Listeners, check out Rapanathic. Um, it's it really is a fun encounter and if you i've done a few other mega dungeons this is the toughest one i've ever seen yes it, it's, it's a mega dungeon you're never intended to actually finish because it just gets you know impossible at the end if you can actually find your way to the end then you've got the epic fight against i don't know do i spoil it not for me please okay yeah tell you what i'll take off my headphones 
for anyone who's, who's listening still right now while he has his headphones off, you definitely don't want to go, try and go to the end and fight Orcus, Prince of the Undead. That was kind of pointless because I'm going to have to hear it when I edit this, but... <laughs> the spoiler doesn't happen till later. You're just going to have to fast forward past that part. Yeah. Back to Splinters of Faith. Um, so there's lots of Kickstarters. There's lots of... Lots of Kickstarters. Lots of stretch goals in the Kickstarter. Uh, side adventures. Accessibility out the nose for note-taking. Which is nice because it comes to a point where you can look at your players and be like, you have no excuse because you literally have a custom book for this. If you didn't write it down, it's all your fault. You have a place to write it down. So what would you say is probably the biggest, single coolest thing about Splinters of Faith? The biggest, coolest thing, without without giving away spoilers, is, or presumably? I, I'm... Probably not going to play this because I don't play those systems. So you can spoil it for me all the one. Hey, listeners, spoiler alert! <laughs> um, the biggest single coolest thing I th- I think the 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 epic uh, end to it, the 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 last adventure. Um, one thing I can do is sort of a spoiler. When you finally get into the end, you've got the scepter put together. You think, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. We've got the scepter of faith, and then you have to go into the. Uh, this necropolis um, at the end of the campaign to the nether sepulchre and is by no means a done deal even though your party is wielding an artifact is both the empowerment of being able to go ahead and do that and feel now we've got we're going we're going to fight with an artifact and actually to know it's still not there's still no guarantees and that's sort of um typical for frog god games products a lot of people describe uh some of our stuff as like more like horror themed i really like that because frog god games adventures are dangerous they're meant to be dangerous they're meant to scare your characters or scare your players um or both um where you know there are no guarantees um i I run frog god games products particularly but all role-playing games i run them in a very sort of old school sort of way i have high body counts not a lot of tpks but lots of casualties and frog god games always managed to put together a product that's going to make you uncertain as to whether you want to bring your character on that adventure and mm-hmm. as a game master i absolutely love that the uh the these the, the tremor in people's voices that hesitation before they you know call out their actions um the maybe i should have brought a different character comments that come every once in a while it, it is it, it's epic it's dangerous um and i think it's it, it's just terribly fun in in that respect maybe because i don't play as much um but i'm also very accustomed when i play with people that i normally run games for i get ready for them to kill my characters because i know people have vendettas um, <laughs> so i so i'm i'm okay with that but um the edginess the old school edginess of campaigns uh and big epic adventures like this one um is really what makes me excited about this kind of product that's good i i personally have been feeling rash brash with a lot of the games i've been playing lately because it's been so long since i've lost a character Mm. i mean like literally years since i've lost a character and i'm just like it's gotta happen like bring it on uh, yeah, I was in a, a game in organized play. We were doing a, a, one of those peripheral adventures in Rappanathic, uh, the Tunnels of Terror. Uh, really, really old adventure written by uh, by Bill Webb. 
um, back in the 70s, I think it was. But uh, yeah, first session, I got my hand cut off my character. And I'm going, really? For my, my, my spellcaster. Is that the... Really, dude? Uh, no, really? that was a different one. Uh, I, I was playing a wizard for Rappanathic, and I also lost my hand. But I got it replaced with a magic crystal one, so I was still pretty happy, but... I did get a I did get a replacement. Oh, you know what? Actually, in a session where I w I wasn't actually present, uh, the party got access to like some limited wishes or something like that. I got my hand I got my hand back that way, but I actually felt cheated get my hand back when I wasn't there, and relatively easily. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that Is happens. Is a limited wish considered relatively easily in your games? <laughs> like that's... Uh, I okay. In my opinion, it came, the the access to the limited wishes came fairly easily. Uh... No, okay. no, not no, not at all. I don't. I don't. I, I'm a little stingy when it comes to that kind of power. At least giving it out myself. Yeah. So. No, I, I don't blame you there. There's a, there's a fine line on that. But so we've talked a lot about the Kickstarter. We've talked a little bit about you. I googled your name, and it's a very unique name. So I had quite a few things pop up. Don't know if they're okay. all you or not. Uh, but the I, I see here on Drive Through RPG, you got a couple. Um, mentions in forged locales. Are those oh, you or? those are those are me. Actually, if it's Douglas Zielstorf, yeah, chance starts me. I don't know of anybody else that has my name. So yeah, I did. I did. Um, for for a while, I was working with uh, the Forge Studios, um, an outstanding group of art, uh, cartographers and, and illustrators um, that I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. And I started writing some uh, system neutral content for them. I haven't done it for a while, but I did. I did write a couple. I'm very proud of the work that I did there. I'd like to get back to, to doing that, but writing hasn't been um, in my wheelhouse uh, lately. But yeah, that's me. And these look like they're, uh, what, pre-made adventures? Uh, they are sets of maps and illustrations that uh, that I laid out a backstory for, adventure hooks, and described the locations in a, in a, in a general sense without using game statistics to, um, to make the artwork more accessible, to give people ideas with regards to how they could use them, and they could fill in their own system, their own stats, they could adjust the level range, you know, the difficulty to suit themselves. It's just a, a more expanded description of... Uh, of specific locations that the Forge Studios had uh, had already uh, already mapped out. Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. Um, so, should we? Do you think you'll probably end up doing any more authoring of things in the future? Uh, I hope so. Like I said, I would like to get a little more writing practice. I've always wanted to, to to write more stuff and haven't really set myself down to it. So, I'd like to write more of those. And actually, to be you know, to be perfectly honest, I'm not throwing the hint hint anywhere to anyone but you know i would like at some point in time i'd like to author something for frog gut games i think that would be a lot of fun. <coughs> don't, <coughs> don't do that to me no but oh, he's I, not I, would, I would love to me. <laughs> I, I would i would i would love to actually write some more stuff uh just uh these days I, I, i'm wrapped up in, in in playing i'm um working on organized play i'm just working on working and um sitting down and writing is 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 a tough is tough yeah, it's hard. It's harder than I thought it was going to be. In those occasions when I have written, uh, I was proud of myself, but it was a lot of work. Well, um, anything else that you want to cover before we sign off? I feel like we've been pretty thorough, but any last minute things where you're like, "Man, I didn't get to talk about this." Uh, any last minute things? Um, yeah, the only other thing is I, you know, just to to to, to 
uh, push the Kickstarter some more. There's a great variety in the adventure, a lot of cool and varied locations. So it's not like you're adventuring in like 11 just in temples. Uh, there's the Wailing Glacier. You get to go to a mountain, uh, mountaintop, like, uh, you know, tower. You're in uh, swamps and mines and stuff like that. Lots of cool, interesting, varied locations where these adventures take place. The original temples, like, uh, there's a good temple in just about every adventure, and there's an evil temple in just about every adventure. The good temples are usually used as a hook and as a, uh, a way to help facilitate you along the way to your quest. And then there's always the evil bad guys lurking in the background somewhere in the dungeons, so to speak. Uh, but lots of variety in there and tons of variety in, in, um, in enemies to fight. If you look at the uh, the the cover painting uh, picture uh, for the adventure, really awesome. As a witch with a uh, with a tome and a staff, riding a tattered winged dragon, um, that's definitely in there. I know exactly where that goes. But uh, and some very interesting and uh, unnerving foes that people get to fight in the course of this adventure. Um, I very highly, not just because people ask me to, but I very highly recommend uh, uh, the the thing as a whole. Well, uh, I obviously I wish you guys success, but you've clearly got that already. So I wish you guys more success. I hope you hit the uh, the funding level where you get the the twelfth adventure, make it a nice even dozen. Uh, and other than that, thank you very much for coming on, Douglas. And uh, I hope you uh, you know can get through the whole adventure. By the way, I think there's a cat outside your window. There probably is. Okay. Sorry. Uh, totally. We have one cat that one cat that hasn't come in yet. Thanks for noticing that. I've been wondering where he was. Yeah. So and uh, I haven't looked out my window, just staring over my shoulder. No, thank you so much, Jason, for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here, and uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. And please, if you get a chance to take a look at the Kickstarter. It's already funded. It's guaranteed to happen. Frog God Games has a remarkable track record for actually publishing stuff through Kickstarter. You don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to get it. Um, and uh, it's great. It's a great product, and we're looking forward to have as, uh, as many people back it as possible get it out to as many people and then have it show up everywhere online in person conventions all kinds of stuff all right thank you very much listeners and have a great day